the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome once again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, thanks for joining us every weekend here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Uh, Alan Dempsey does our engineering each weekend, does it well. Uh, Andrew Herdaliska is our producer. And uh, we're really pleased. Scott Lamb is with us. He has uh, authored a book. It's a good read. It's simply called Huckabee, the authorized biography. Uh, the publisher is Thomas Nelson. Scott, great to catch up with you. Thanks for joining me. Glad to be here today. Uh, Scott lives in the Nashville area, where all good Christians live, <laughs> I guess, Scott. All the authors, all the musicians, they're all there in Nashville, it appears. That's right. They may not have been born here, but they all migrate here eventually. Yep. I only lived here about a year myself, but it's a great place to raise a family. That's great. Uh, tell me how you plowed into the uh, Huckabee book. Well, uh, I wrote a biography of uh, the Major League Baseball uh, superstar Albert Pujols a few years ago, and one of the tasks of an author is to go around and and grab some endorsements, and somebody told me that uh, Mike Huckabee, who at that time uh, had already uh, left being off the governor of Arkansas, uh, was a huge Cardinals fan, so I thought, well, you know, I'd go ahead and give it a try. I figured all you know, no, no harm in asking for an endorsement uh, from a former governor. So I asked him, and, and he he gave us a, a fantastic endorsement uh, of the book, and and uh, waxed eloquently about his uh, his love of Cardinals baseball. And uh, so, uh, I basically I struck up a little bit of a relationship with him through essentially asking him for endorsement requests uh, for that book and some other some other materials I was I was working on. So um, a few years later, uh, after. Uh, he had um, done a good job in the 2008 uh, primary, uh, winning Iowa and uh, lots of other states. You know, it seemed as though he was gearing up for a for a run at the 2016 primary, which of course he he has in, indeed uh, obviously made himself a candidate. And I began to read the narratives in the in the newspapers and the commentary, and essentially the story was: well, we already know who Mike Huckabee is. Uh, he's an evangelical. We know everything about evangelicals. They're not fit to serve, you know, well, not fit to serve on the national level. And uh, so, you know, no sense running, no sense anybody like him running. Uh, we already know who you are, and just, just go home and stay out of politics. I, I thought I thought a lot of what I was reading was unfair, both the, the former governor, you know, because he actually did run a, and run very well uh, in an entire state uh, as an executive. I also thought it was unfair to the evangelicals of the of the nation to just kind of lump them into, into a category of, incompetence or, um, you know, almost like we, we, we're still in the dark ages. Uh, we haven't entered the modern era. And so really with those two uh, impulses, I began to desire to write a, write a more full-fledged biography of, of Huckabee. And uh, that was the origin. Of course, he's written a lot about his own life. So, you know, the thought was, well, how much more is there? Because he, you know, he, he talks about his childhood, he talks about his growing up years, and he was in the limelight uh, there as the governor. So, um, once I became convinced that there was a whole lot of material uh, that was left, you know, you know, out of, out of the public story, I approached the governor, and uh, he he gave me a thumbs up to basically go bug the snot out of his uh, family and friends for a couple years, and mm. and uh, that's uh, that's how you produce a book. So it was a lot of fun to do. So as a result of the book, uh, Scott, what do we know now about Mike Huckabee that we didn't know before? Well, what do we know about Mike Huckabee and evangelicals in, in, in general uh, is that they're right in the mainstream of contemporary society, that they have every right to be 
um, at the table of the political uh, realm as does anybody. Now, that that wouldn't be anything remarkable to say 20 or 30 years ago, uh, but obviously things are changing. And so now you have got, you know, real gotcha questions that uh, the media and uh, culture at large poses, you know, everything from abortion to you know your view on evolution to climate change, and it seems like once you once you state an opinion on on some of these issues, then they go ahead and put a tinfoil hat on you and uh, and write you off as having any uh, any ability to lead in, in the modern world. So I explore Huckabee's roots and, and why it is that he was able to lead um, Arkansas. Now most folks say, well, Arkansas, sure, that's that's a lot like Mike Huckabee, but you know, Arkansas when he came to came into the governor's office was ninety percent Democrat. Uh, and so what, what kind of skills does it take uh, to to work within a system where, as the governor, you know, you're, you're having to deal with people who uh, got into office on the other ticket, you know, 90% of them? And uh, how, how do you lead an entire state of people, um, both in, uh, in terms of governance and moral issues? And so a lot of the stuff I was digging up was what – what makes Mike Huckabee tick? Where did he get his uh, plain spokenness and his ability to communicate? Where did he get his conservatism, uh, given the fact that you know he, in the county he grew up in uh, was like 99% Democrat? You know, everybody was Democrat when he was a boy, and yet here he comes uh, to age as a Phyllis Schlafly conservative. You know, and uh, where did that come from? So I really wanted to explore that, and and I, I do so in the book. And there were a few key uh, key pivotal uh, men in his life who put books into his hands and kind of shaped him intellectually. And uh, a lot of it, to be honest, has to do with his parents. Uh, he, he grew up in the same town as Bill Clinton, and uh, and very much the similar background, except for the parents. His parents and grandparents were the ultimate in social stability. They didn't have a penny to their name, hardly, and uh, they didn't have you know access to the corridors of power or culture. Uh, his dad only graduated from eighth grade, uh, and yet they, they, his mother and his father, gave him common sense and um, the ability to relate to people, um, the ability to respect all people, and I think that's the key to understanding Mike Huckabee. Uh, it's just he wants to leave the world in a better shape uh, than he found it, and he does that mainly through you know talking to folks and uh, building relationships with them, and then just uh, moving out from there. So. What I found really is that he's not, um, you know, there's some conservatives that come to the table uh, from uh, more of an intellectual background, more of an academic background, um, you know, super intelligent in that um, in that IQ sort of way. I, I found that uh, Mike Huckabee has the incredible gifts of relationship and communication, um, and he never went for the, the ivory towers. He had chances to go to law school, and he, he didn't even uh, think about doing that stuff. He just wanted to get right out into the world and deal with real people in real situations. And he's been doing that for 40 years. Scott Lamb has uh, authored the book Huckabee. Uh, tell me your feelings, Scott, about uh, Huckabee in this presidential race. Uh, did yeah. you think he would be doing better? Well, <clears throat> you know, we, we knew it was going to be a crowded field. The question was how many uh, evangelical um, uh, kind, of, kind of candidates could there be or would there be. And really, when it comes down to it, it's not about the national polls. It's about Iowa. It's about South Carolina. And uh, essentially, for a candidate like Huckabee, if you don't win Iowa and you don't win South Carolina, um, probably if you don't win Iowa, it's all over. And I think he said he said as much um, recently to Hugh Hewitt. Uh, he said if he doesn't come in first, second, or third in Iowa, then he's going to shut down the campaign. And, and I think that's I think that's for good reason. Um, you know, Iowa's got such a strong bastion of conservatives and uh, evangelical conservatives that if, if you don't win in Iowa, now the thing is, recently there was a, a poll of evangelicals in Iowa, Republican evangelicals, and something like sixty-five to seventy percent of them have already completely aligned with Ted Cruz, which mm. is a remarkable candidate. Well, you know, here it is. Uh, you know, a month before uh, the caucus. If 65 to 70 percent of uh, evangelicals in Iowa have already aligned themselves with a different candidate, it doesn't seem as though, you know, there's a, there's a strong place uh, for a strong consideration that he's going to win Iowa. And uh, so I, I look for him probably, uh, I look for him to probably come in the top three, perhaps, and then push on to South Carolina. I don't think he's going to win Iowa, and I don't think he's going to win South Carolina. So um, I'm not I'm not the prophet or the son of the prophet, but. Uh, you know, I, I do trust the polls at this point uh, to give some indication. 
and Cruz is just running a really good uh, race in Iowa and South Carolina. So the governor's done hard work in those states, um, but it, it seems as though his his day for being the nominee uh, was either 2008 or 2012, uh, not 2016. Scott Lamb is our guest. Uh, he is in the Nashville area, executive director of the Presbyterian Lay Committee and the president of Reformation Press. Uh, his book on Mike Huckabee is really a good read, the authorized biography. Uh, Thomas Nelson is the publisher. Uh, just a reminder, uh, you're listening to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, it's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. We do this show every weekend and always very, very pleased when you join us. Uh, in the meantime, uh, go to Amazon.com and uh, order Huckabee. You'll enjoy this read that uh, Scott Lamb has put together. We've got more with Scott, but first these messages, so stay tuned, stay with us, and we'll continue our discussion about Huckabee. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, Bill Files here, GM of Salem Media Group Orlando. You've heard me talk about Half Price Tuition, a great new program we have where folks just like you could purchase tuition to the finest Christian schools in Central Florida at half price. No catch, no kidding. I want to share with you some comments from a listener who recently purchased tuition for her daughter. This listener called me, and once she found out that the program was for real, she and her husband decided to buy it. She said, before we hang up, I wanted to thank you and to share with you that my husband and I have been praying for a way to send our girl to Christian school. Your half-price tuition program has made that possible. Thank you. This is what it's all about. If you or someone you know could benefit from our half-price tuition program, I hope you'll give me a call, 407-618-1760, or visit our website, AmazingRadioDeals.com. Half-price tuition, another positive idea from Salem Media Group Orlando. Schools like the Geneva School and Altamont Christian School are available right now. Go online to AmazingRadioDeals.com. Do you owe back taxes to the IRS that you cannot afford to pay? Here's great news. The continuing U.S. economic slowdown has caused hardship for many Americans, and the Internal Revenue Service is now accepting reduced settlements from distressed taxpayers owing back taxes they cannot afford to pay. The Fresh Start Initiative can end all collections, settle your tax issue, and may reduce the amount you owe by thousands of dollars. A new taxpayer distress helpline has been set up by 911 Tax Relief to help enroll distressed taxpayers. Call the Taxpayer Distress Helpline now at 800-372-3313. See if you qualify to have all collections ended and to have your tax problems resolved for thousands less. If you owe back taxes to the IRS that you cannot afford to pay, see if you qualify now to protect your assets from seizure and resolve your debt for a significantly reduced settlement. Call the Taxpayer Distress Helpline now to see if you qualify. 800-372-3313. 800-372-3313. 800-372-3313. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. On the new 94.9 FM and AM 950, WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Scott Lamb is with us from Nashville, the Nashville area. He is the author of Huckabee, a, uh, authorized biography uh, that Thomas Nelson has put out. Uh, Scott, what do you see Mike Huckabee doing uh, with the rest of his life, assuming things don't go well for him in Iowa? Well, uh, one of, that's a great question. One of two things. Um, it really depends on who takes the White House. I think that um, essentially which party takes the White House. I think if the GOP wins the White House in 2016, uh, whoever it is would be uh, foolish not to seek to incorporate uh, Governor Huckabee in in government somehow. Now, I, that, that would differ greatly depending on which candidate wins. Um, I, I personally think that at least one of the leading candidates um, would be inclined to ask him to be the vice president. I'll just say I, I, it would seem as though uh, Donald Trump, uh, whatever anybody thinks of Donald Trump, um, the evangelicals are not, does not seem as though they're really on board with him. And um, a shrewd uh, nominee uh, or almost nominee uh, would, uh, would seek to uh, kind of uh, buff up his evangelical um, you know, credibility 
Now, I don't know if Huckabee, Governor Huckabee would, would actually do that, but uh, I, I think that uh, Trump's people probably would be smart to at least ask him. Uh, he was actually, you know, in the contention for the vice president in 2008 and 2012, um, though not a finalist. So uh, barring uh, perhaps the vice president or perhaps uh, some sort of position uh, in government, uh, in a GOP administration, I, I think that he um, – I think he closely resembles Franklin Graham's ministry, uh, as it's come to be in the last couple of years, where mm-hmm. you're speaking out on issues, even as you're creating opportunities to do good service in the world. I don't know exactly how that would look, but uh, Franklin and uh, the governor are really close friends, and they do a lot of similar things. Um, when news hits and Franklin responds to something and it gets a million page views, um, that's the kind of thing that you know Governor Huckabee was doing when he had his TV show. So I, I think that there's probably a Franklin Graham-styled um, uh, type of mission in the world that uh, the governor would, would uh, latch on to. Obviously, Franklin has the Samaritan's Purse and those other kinds of uh, ministries, and uh, the governor doesn't have those, but uh, probably uh, some sort of commentary. The question is, would he go back into TV? Possibly, but, you know, those things, those things change, you know, from year to year. So, um, you know, Roger Ailes might, you know, bring him back on a Fox, might not. Uh, things, you know, things just shift out from underneath you. And that's one of the remarkable things about Governor Huckabee's desire to run. I mean, he was making some really uh, good, you know, income at Fox. And, uh, you know, he told me there's absolutely no guarantee that you're going to walk back into a show, even a successful show, and uh, when everything's said and done. So uh, to give up that and, and to go back into the public arena for this uh, for this primary season, uh, you know, really kind of risked a lot of, uh, stable, good income uh, on a major platform like Fox. So, so why did he do it? Well, I tell you what, <laughs> one thing I learned in the book, um, there's there's a lot of politicians that run for different reasons, but uh, Mike Huckabee runs because he believes, truly believes, I mean, seriously, truly, in his heart of heart, believes that he's going to win. Um, even in 1992, when he ran for Senate, and Arkansas had not had a U.S. senator from the GOP in, you know, 100 years, um, and the last guy who tried lost sixty to forty. His closest of friends uh, said they were, you know, had told me that the Mike Huckabee of nineteen ninety one going to that election was firmly convinced he would, he would win because he had, you know, he had some good strategies and some good reasons why. I mean, it wasn't just like blindly, you know, doing something stupid, but you know, he had reasons. But you know, he thought I'm going to work it. I'm going to. I've got the contacts. I don't have any money, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, he. And every election since then that he's ever been part of, he actually believed he was going to win. So. The only two he's lost, of course, was that 1992 Senate and the 2008 uh, GOP nomination. So I spoke with him before he ever announced uh, this year, and uh, and and he he truly believed that he had a, a pathway to the nomination. Uh, no man can predict. I mean, he, he, now he never said it in terms of uh, believing that God had ordained that for him. Never has he spoken like that, you know. But he said he felt like as though God wanted him to run, and the results were you know in God's hands and and the electorate. Um, but yeah, he certainly gave up a lot of uh, a lot of income to do so. He came to Orlando last summer, Scott, um, to a family's home, and there were people invited. I guess there were about 125 people there. Uh, Mike was just dazzling. Oh my! I mean, he meets people, remembered their names later, did all the photos, Q and A session. <clears throat> Remarkable! I was so impressed. Uh, just the w- with the way he dealt with people, all of them, uh, very impressive. Yeah, I, I think that um, in some sense, if he could actually meet a hundred million Americans, then he probably could become the president. <laughs> you know, if there was time enough for him to shake hands and, and have a coffee with a hundred million Americans, um, he jokes that you know that's probably the case because he he really does win, win you over. Uh, in my research, there's a lot of uh, liberal left, um, I mean, crazy liberal left reporters and journalists who will testify that uh, they went into an interview with Huckabee basically, I mean, I don't know if they use the word hate, but, you know, basically hating his policies and very ambivalent about the man himself. And then an hour later, you know, they're walking away like feeling as though they've made a lifelong friend, you know. And and they even write, uh, you know, I had to remind myself of why I can't stand Mike Huckabee. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that says a lot, I think. And And even down in Arkansas, um, he actually made friends of some Democrats and made enemies of some Republicans, uh, you know. Uh, but uh, it, w- it was really interesting to do in the research to, to find out how many people basically, because of policy, were predisposed to not like him, 
But on a personal level, uh, they love the guy. And uh, I think that says a lot about him. I, I also think that has a lot to do with the fact that his first call uh, was in pastoral ministry. And in pastoral ministry, you don't get to pick and choose, you know, who you're going to minister to based on who already likes you. I mean, you, you know, the whole the whole world is your ministry. So um, you got to go out there and and, uh, and meet people right where they're at. And, you know, whether they're atheist or Muslim or, you know, antagonistic to Christianity or not, you know, you're you know, you're, you're called to share the gospel. And, and so Mike, and that's where he cut his teeth in terms of vocation. And I think that that kind of mindset served him well in politics as well, that, you know, there's probably some way to find a middle ground, even with my, my most avowed enemy, um, the one who can't stand who I am uh, in terms of my politics. I bet I can find a way on a personal level to at least befriend them. And, um, you know, I think that was easier to do almost uh, as the governor, than it was as a Fox TV host or as a, a pundit. Uh, once you become a pundit, especially on Fox, you know, you're, you're kind of paid to be spicy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of paid to have some strong opinions. Um, he probably um, uh, probably was a little more gentle and kind uh, as a governor in terms of people's perception of him uh, as a governor than he was on Fox. But, uh, you know, a lot of people have commented about that. Uh, but it's just the nature of what you're doing, you know, when you're in broadcast uh, TV, uh, you know, to have some strong opinions about things. Scott Lamb is our guest. His book is called Huckabee. Scott, how would you describe uh, Mike Huckabee's relationship to Bill and Hillary Clinton? Oh, that's wonderful. Well, there, that's a tale of two stories. You're talking about Bill and you're talking about Hillary. So um, on a personal level with Bill, I think that, that uh, well, Huckabee doesn't drink beer, but in the, in the old metaphor of who would you like to drink a beer with, the two of them would definitely like to drink a beer together. Um, uh, they're, you know, both have those Arkansas roots, same small town, but it, it goes beyond that. They really are just people. Uh, uh, they're they're people who enjoy uh, sitting down and and getting to know one another, and they did. They did qu- uh, quite a bit of that. Of course, uh, their policies they they differed quite a bit, and that's really a two way street, though. That uh, that Bill Clinton actually feels that way towards uh, Huckabee, and, and has said as much. He actually said, you know, really kind things about him in 2007, you know, saying that, you know, y'all better not underrate Mike Huckabee as a politician because that guy is good. Um, now, Hillary's a completely different bird. Uh, uh, she, you know, they, they've clashed and, uh, and you know, she, she's a little more bristly uh, in her dealings with Huckabee and what she said about Huckabee over the years. I'm not, I'm not saying there's a divide between the two of them. I'm just saying on a personal level. Um, it would it would things would get testy a lot uh, a lot quicker if um, Huckabee was the nominee and uh, and he was faced up against Hillary that would be an incredible uh, series of debates that would be an incredible election um, to watch uh, I almost hate that we don't get to see that one uh, but uh, they they go back for forty years I mean it's just incredible how many years um, they were you know fifty miles away from each other in the same state duking it out really because Huckabee when he was a pastor. He was trying to lead the Baptists in the state, you know, into conservatism and, and pro-life and and pro-marriage issues that the Clintons, and particularly uh, Bill, the Governor Clinton, uh, with his attorney, uh, with his uh, Surgeon General Jocelyn Elders, I mean, they were just pushing Arkansas, you know, into liberalism. So they, there's a lot of water under the bridge between the Huckabees and uh, the Clintons, and it, it, that really would have been a fun election to watch. Tell me what you see ahead for Mike Huckabee. Uh... Oh, in the next month. In the next month. Okay, that's that's great. Um, well, the, once the Iowa caucuses uh, report, um, he's already said if he's not one, two, or three, like I mentioned, uh, he's going to drop out. Um, he's already cut back some of his staff and cut back salaries of some of his staff. He doesn't have a whole lot of money in his personal campaign. The, the political action committee does. I think he's going to basically show up at 100 places in Iowa over the next 30 days, mm-hmm. and he is going to, on his wobbly knee, because he's hurt his knee recently. Really? What happened? Um, he's just got bad knees from doing that marathon running, and mm. and he had to have knee surgery over Thanksgiving break. Mm. Um, and it's a testament to his uh, strong will that he just you know kept on with all of his campaign stops. But I think I think he's going to be in 150 places in Iowa in the next 30 days. He's going to meet with every you know corn farmer and and uh, Des Moines uh, resident that he can, and uh, press his case. Um, I, I don't think he's going to win. I don't even think he's going to come in the top three. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I think it's too late in the game. Uh, and, and and Cruz has got some incredible. Uh, ground um, game going on. Huckabee does too, but I think Cruz is, uh, beats it beats him this time. And uh, and after that, the night after the uh, the night of the Iowa caucus, I think he'll he'll bow out. 
And then um, the, the next 30 days is what's going to be interesting if you're a fan of Mike Ugby, if you're a friend of Mike Ugby. The next 30 days after that will be interesting to see who grabs him up. You know, will it be a, um, you know, a broadcast network? Um, you know, I'm sure he's got another book he wants to write. Uh, he's, he's got lots of ideas for books that he wants to do. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens throughout the rest of the election cycle um, if, you're, if you're a friend of Mike Huckabee. Uh, he's going to be used, though. He's not going to slow down. He just turned 60. And, um, you know, I, I think he's going to want to stay active every day of the rest of his life. I don't see him slowing down in the slightest. I don't see him just sitting on the beach, you know, fishing or collecting seashells. He's going to do something, and it's going to be something public. And um, so. Tell me about his struggle with weight. Yeah, goodness, he, uh, he he went up and down. You know, when I was researching the book and I was grabbing all these photographs, it was really hard to place when some of these photographs were. I mean, the clothes were kind of a giveaway, but, you know, there, there would be, for lack of a better word, and he would say this himself, there's there's fat Mike Huckabee and there's skinny Mike Huckabee. Well, there was only one time where he was super skinny, and that was, uh, you know, going back into 2005 when he was running marathons. But, uh, you know, he would go from being, uh, you know, basically obese to being incredibly obese. He actually um, says he broke a chair in the governor's office when he sat down in it, you know, and, and he said that was kind of like a wake-up call, you know, if you're sitting down in good, sturdy chairs and still busting them, you know. Mm. And a doctor told me I had 10 years to live, and he thought, well, good grief, what am I going to do? And obviously he needed to lose weight. Uh, there was a gal named Alice Stewart who ran marathons, and she was in Little Rock as a broadcaster, and she's been on his staff for uh, about the last decade as communications. She's a wonderful gal. And uh, and she said, you know, I can help you, but you're going to need a trainer. You're going to need somebody like me to basically just work with you, you know. And so he did it. And uh, through uh, essentially uh, a radical change in diet and running, uh, he just uh, stepped out of the fat and, and became, um, you know, nearly almost too skinny. Uh, there's some pictures of him in 2005 where he is just skin and bones. And uh, he lost, uh, I think it was 115 pounds or something like that, and ran the New York Marathon, ran several marathons. And... Um, and, and eventually hurt his knee. I think he's put back on about 30 or 40 of the pounds, which, you know, really isn't that much. If you lost 130 and you've only put back on 30 or 40 and you're not even able to run anymore um, because of the knee. But, um, you know, some people will say, oh, he put it back on all of his weight. Are you joking? Have you seen the pictures before? <laughs> he has not put back on all of his weight. I mean, uh, so, um, you know, he, he's done something that most Americans would like to do, and that's that's lose weight. And, uh and, you know, he, he he's a southerner, so he loves his food, uh, you know, and most of the food in the south that you really love isn't always the best for you. You know, that fried this and fried that, and, and he's the first to admit that. Um, but, uh, you know, he enjoys company, enjoys taking people to restaurants, enjoys the food. He's done that with me. And, uh, you know, um, his his claim to fame is that he took it off once, and uh, I, I think that after the uh, the election he's probably going to get back into a routine to, to get uh, – Scott Lamb has been our guest talking about his book, Huckabee. Uh, We've got more after this here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM, AM 950 WTLN. We do this show every weekend and always delighted when you plug in with us. So uh, stick around. We've got more that you'll be interested in. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m can't catch the whole broadcast visit our podcast on the web 24 7 on wtln.com so tune in you won't want to miss it looking for the perfect resolution this year get your thicker hair back with viviscal just two little tablets a day can make your thin hair look and feel thicker and fuller viviscal is the number one drug-free hair growth supplement in the u.s with one box being sold every minute globally it's clinically researched to promote existing hair growth for men and women and now as a new year's special a 90-day supply of viviscal is offered risk-free plus free shipping call 800-838-2600 viviscal nourishes thinning hair from within you'll love your 
your hair growth results guaranteed. Viviscal is so effective, it's recommended by top doctors like board-certified plastic surgeon Dr. Grant Stevens. I feel confident recommending Viviscal. It's 100% drug-free, and it's backed by years of clinical research. This year, get the thick, full hair you want by calling 800-838-2600 now for your 90-day risk-free supply plus free shipping. Call 800-838-2600. That's 800-838-2600. Even though the calendar says it's winter, here in Orlando, summer can go all year long. That means our air conditioners take a beating. And if your AC is on its last leg or not working at all and you've been putting it off, we've got an amazing radio deal for you. It's called Half Price Cooling. Get a new complete AC system for your home with installation for half price. No coupons, no games, no gimmicks. Go online to AmazingRadioDeals.com right away. Then cool down with the hottest deal in town. Half Price Cooling. Check it out right now at AmazingRadioDeals.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Scott Lamb, our guest in the first half hour from Nashville, uh, the author of Huckabee, the uh, authorized biography of Mike Huckabee. Uh, Dan Britton joins us from Kansas City, the international executive vice president of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and. He has co-authored a book with Jimmy Page that you're going to really enjoy. It's called Called to Greatness, 31 Devotions to Ignite the Faith of Fathers and Sons. Dan, good to catch up with you. I'm happy we can chat. Yeah, it's good to visit again, Pat. So what prompted you to put this book together? Why was it important to you? One of the things that Jimmy and I have done for the last 25 years is been friends and accountability partners, kind of warriors, ironing, sharpening iron, and have written three other books together. And as we have engaged through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, he's also one of the vice presidents with FCA in the Mid-Atlantic region on the East Coast. Uh, As we encounter many uh, men from many different walks of life, we realize that they don't have uh, tools in their toolbox to properly engage their kids. And one of the relationships that we saw that desperately needed attention and realizing that no father that we met with said, hey, my relationship with my son is exactly where I want it to be. Usually it was the opposite. Uh, We began to uh, put our minds together and our hearts together and came up with this concept of writing a devotional book geared specifically for fathers and sons. Uh, And this resource can be used from even elementary age school kids all the way to college age kids, and even I would say post-college, with a son and father intentionally sitting down, engaging each other uh, with uh, God's Word, and put through the filter of the father-son relationship. And we believe this will become a powerful tool to ignite the faith of a father and son. Well, let's plow in. There are 31 interesting topics. Um, Here's the first one. Everybody's doing it. Go against the flow. What does that mean? Well, you know, one of the things, before we dive in specifically, Pat, to the the, the, uh, first one, I want to just back up and say that one of the things that we did in the introduction and in, in, the, in, in the very beginning, mm-hmm. before we give them 31 uh, principles to work through, is really allowing them to evaluate their relationship, uh, to take time to establish a starting point of, you know, is your relationship hot, meaning great, and that <laughs> it could mean hot as in not good, but we rate it as hot as being good and that it's an eight or above if the father and son would rate the relationship. There's great conversation, uh, there's open dialogue, there's trust established, and there's there's the relationship that's hot. Uh, then uh, the second one would be warm, and that would be someone that would rate their relationship probably between five to seven, uh, that it needs some work, and we realize that, hey, our relationship needs uh, to have some repair and then uh, cold would be evaluating the relationship, Pat, from four or less. And many times there's relationships that, whether they're hot, warm, or cold, that we want the father and son just to simply, honestly evaluate where they currently are. Then once they evaluate it, we actually invite them 
to take the 31-day challenge. And the 31-day challenge is for both of them to have a place right there in the book to sign and date to establish a, a covenant relationship that they're going to commit to building the relationship of a Christ-centered uh, father-son relationship. Uh, and then uh, giving them the tools of 31 days, whether it's 31 consecutive days, or they can even spread that out, but they have 31 opportunities to then sit down and engage God's Word and to be able to begin to process through that. And that leads us to the first one. Everybody's doing it. Go against the flow. Exactly. And one of the very first, we felt that being able to establish, Pat, a, a relationship of uh, realizing the principle, the call to greatness principle, is go against the flow. And um, that actually not everybody's doing it. And in the, in the chapter, we talk about what Jesus is calling us to and what he expects more, more of us. Uh, in that it does take effort um, to go against the flow. And most people are willing to go with the flow. One of my good friends, Steve Fitzhugh, who's one of the great uh, youth communicators of our day and travels the country and the world communicating to young people, he says that, um, you know, it takes any old dead fish to go with the flow. You can put a dead fish in a, in, a, in, a, in a stream and it will go with the flow, but it takes a live fish with a little wiggle to go against the flow. One of the things that we encourage the father and son to do is, are they willing to uh, be a couple, be a father-son relationship that's willing to go against the flow and that not everyone's doing it? Let's get to the second topic. Eye-popping grace. Grace is getting the good we don't deserve. Yeah, we dive into this uh, topic here, Pat, uh, realizing that Grace is receiving from God what we don't deserve. And uh, many times we have many talents and gifts as fathers and sons that God has given us lavishly and poured out upon us. And uh, first, in, in understanding that grace is something that we need to receive first and foremost. Uh, and once grace is, is given to us, then uh, we have to give it. It's, it's not something for us just to hold on to and say, okay, I received God's grace. Now we're able to extend that. And one of the things that, that we realize, Pat, is two things happen when we embrace and are able to give grace away uh, in the right way. One, it shatters a judgmental spirit. And I have found that many men um, that I engage with, Pat, I don't know, as you travel in your circles and in the professional world of sports, but uh, there is a very judgmental spirit that, that resides in the heart of men, both young and old, and, and grace will actually shatter that. And the second thing is, is grace, I think, unleashes a generous spirit and allows us to be able to kind of unscrew us uh, this time of season and to be generous in, in what we do. And uh, those are two things that, that – we unpack in this chapter and allowing people to really get their arms around it. My guest is Dan Britton. He and Jimmy Page of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes have put together a wonderful devotional book called To Greatness, 31 Devotions to Ignite the Faith of Fathers and Sons. Fire in the belly. The fire within comes from him. Fill us in on that one, Dan. Yeah, um, you know, I think that, uh, Pat, let me, let me ask you a quick question. As you see a lot of uh, uh, young men playing in the world of uh, professional sports, you probably see a lot of fire in the belly of, of pro athletes, don't you? Well, the great ones have it. Yeah, the ones that we most admire, I call them extreme winners, and uh, they have a quality called extreme passion, extreme, enthousi yeah. extreme enthusiasm. Yeah, it's, it's it's that fire that, that can't be put out by anyone or anything, right? Yeah, no question, Dan. Yeah, and I, I grew up playing sports, uh, football, basketball, lacrosse as a young guy. My dad was a All-American lacrosse player at the Naval Academy. And growing up in a, in a military home, I knew what fire in the belly was all about. And one of the things that, that we – want to encourage men, young men and, 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 and fathers uh, in this journey of having the fire in the belly is based out of Jeremiah 29, uh, where the words of the, are fire in my belly, a burning in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it any longer. And 
we want to encourage people that's just not an athletic uh, fire in the belly or a talent fire in the belly. The fire in the belly comes from God and having that spiritual fire that no one can put out or nothing can put out based off the circumstances is something that God wants us to have. I want to get to the fourth topic with you, Dan. Take my wheel, you say. Stay close to Jesus. Yeah, we we want to, again, encourage uh, uh, fathers and sons to dive into God's Word together and to journey together uh, and to uh, make sure that, that there is, um, you know, Christ at the center of the relationship. Um, and, you know, I think that, that fathers and sons spend a lot of time discussing things that, that in the grand scheme of things, uh, aren't eternal things, aren't things that glorify God. Um, and so we say, stay close to God, stay close to each other. And that if, if they together as a father and son, uh, relationships stay close to God, that their relationship is founded on the scriptures, is founded on the Word of God, then we believe that they're going to stay close to each other. Um, I, In my 25 years of ministry in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I've never met a father come up to me and say, um, you know, Dan, I, I'm, I'm close to Jesus, my son's close to Jesus, but we're not close to each other. Uh, it's always been uh, hey, I'm close to Jesus, my son's not close to Jesus, and there's a strain and there's distance in the relationship, or even the other way around. Uh, but I have to date in 25 years meeting thousands of fathers and sons uh, have not heard that by them staying close to Jesus uh, together, uh, that then the relationship hasn't been the same. Dan Britton is with us, uh, the co-author of this wonderful devotional called The Greatness. 31 Devotions to Ignite the Faith of Fathers and Sons. Dan, here's the next topic. Warrior mindset. Be strong and courageous. Yeah, nowadays I think that for for kids, we we sometimes uh, tend to steer away from trying to figure out how to raise young warriors. And we, we kind of strip the, the uh, 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 manliness away from young boys. And uh, one of the things is uh, encouraging uh, young men, no matter what their age is, as they're traveling into adulthood, that the father needs to navigate that relationship and really spend time to maximize uh, their relationship. And uh, what that looks like is very important. Uh, today, I think our, our young people, uh, Pat, are having a really difficult time of understanding uh, how to maximize life and how to make the most out of life and to know that there's joy and excitement in life and, and what that looks like. Um, recently, Pat, I have uh, saw just uh, last month uh, in the USA Today, uh, there was a survey that has been done of, uh, it was the largest survey done of high school kids. 22,000 uh, high school students weighed in, and the, and the survey basically uh, asked uh, these young uh, high school students uh, what were they experiencing during the school day? What kind of emotions, what kind of feelings were they experiencing? And instead of giving them a checkbox of many different options to to do, uh, they left three blank lines. And they said, what are the three emotions that as a high school student that you experienced during the day? And students actually filled in the word that, that came to their, to, to their mind uh, based off of the survey. After they collected the survey, Pat, they found out that the top three responses written in were these words, tired, bored, and stressed. Mm. And Eight of the ten responses, the top ten responses, were negative. But only two positive emotions the students feel were happy and excited were at the bottom of the list. So our young people right now, the emotional experience that they're, they're journeying through, it can be summarized in tired, bored, and stressed. And so as we think about the warrior mindset, that, that, that as a father, we have a responsibility with our sons to be able to make sure that they're not going through the day, going through the motions, and they're tired, bored, and, and stressed. 
but they're understanding that they're called by God as a young man of God to be a warrior. And we believe that there's, there's, there's four key aspects to a warrior mindset. Number one is that uh, a young person will say, I refuse to make excuses. Number two is they would say, I revel in the toughest circumstances, you know, willing to, to plow through the toughest circumstances. Uh, number three is I recover from setbacks. And number four is I rely on his presence and his power. And if those four things that a young person can grasp a hold of, they're not going to be experiencing throughout the day, the day that they're tired, bored, and stressed. Instead, they're going to experience God's pleasure and their father's pleasure on this earth. Dan Britton is our guest. We've got more with Dan right after this here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes, and attorney, Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you could choose any school from which to earn your college degree and be on your way to a better life, would you choose a school the Wall Street Journal recognized for producing some of the best qualified graduates, one the Princeton Review ranked as a leader in undergraduate education, and one U.S. News & World Report named number one in the nation for innovation ahead of both MIT and Stanford? Discover why Arizona State University is a clear choice for your future. In addition, ASU Online offers over 100 graduate and undergraduate programs you can take 100% online and on your schedule. You'll receive the exact same curriculum, degree, and prestigious faculty as our on-campus students. For information, call 1-800-720-2358. U.S. News & World Report also ranked ASU in the top 10 best places to earn an online degree. So get started today and learn to thrive with Arizona State University Online. Call today at 1-800-720-2358. That's 1-800-720-2358. Have you ever wanted to look into a crystal ball and see what the future holds? Well, there's something better and more accurate than a fortune teller to reveal the future. That's the Word of God. The Bible gives us a very clear picture of what's coming in the book of Revelation. So join us this week and for the next 12 weeks on Through the Bible Radio as Dr. J. Vernon McGee takes us on a fascinating journey into God's view of the future. Weekdays at 2.30 and 9.30 p.m. on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Dan Britton and Jimmy Page have put this devotional book together. It's called To Greatness, 31 Devotions to Ignite the Faith of Fathers and Sons. And, uh, Dan, before we get back to the book, uh, fill me in, fill us in on the work of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes across America. Well, it's, it's not only across America, but around the world now, Pat. We, mm. we uh, just recently celebrated our 60 years in existence uh, a couple years ago, and we got established in 1954. And since 1954, God's hand has been mightily upon the work of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Many times people, Pat, ask me, you know, can you, can you explain to me what the Fellowship of Christian Athletes is? I said, well... You take uh, my two passions, uh, Jesus and sports, put them together, and you got the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so, Pat, we have a heartbeat to see the world impacted for Jesus Christ through the influence of of coaches and athletes. And our hope and our prayer is that as we minister to the hearts of coaches and athletes, that we will see uh, the world of sports redeemed by the power of Christ. And we don't have to go very far uh, from watching games, whether it's Little League games or professional games, to realize that there's something broken in sports today. Um, and Fellowship of Christian Athletes is right at the heartbeat of ministering to the hearts of coaches and athletes. Uh, we work, Pat, with over 2 million coaches and athletes 
uh, every year uh, through all of our programs and outreaches. We have 1,200 staff and over 50,000 volunteers that have a chance to work with us, 2 million coaches and athletes. Just in the last several years, we've had a chance to expand internationally. FCA has been known as a U.S.-based ministry for many years, but God's called us to take and leverage what we've experienced here in the U.S. and to serve the nation. Uh, it was interesting, I recently found out that uh, the world's population, 4% of it's in the U.S., 96% outside the U.S. And so we've been doing a bang-up job, great job with the 4%, but God's now calling us to, to leverage the 4% to serve the 96 And now my role, Pat, is to oversee the international division of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And, and currently, it's with a great joy and, and honor to tell you that we're currently uh, ministering in 56 different countries uh, around the world. And what we're seeing God do with the work of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and many partners that we're working with uh, is mind, mind-blowing. And it's just a blessing to see what God's doing to take the Gospels to every part of the world uh, and to see the Great Commission fulfilled. Thanks uh, for that update, Dan. Now, the sixth topic in your book, R-U-A-V-R-P, when you refresh, you bless. Okay, uh, I surrender, Dan. What's all that? Mean? What, <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, this this is uh, something that um, I I love to be able to talk about, and uh, simply the principle, as you said, Pat, is when you refresh, you bless. Uh, you've often heard that hurt people hurt people and bless people bless people, and it's simply from that concept is that. We as uh, fathers uh, and as sons, we will either bring life or death with our words. Um, there's an interesting uh, Bible character that's only mentioned twice, uh, both times in Second Timothy, and his name is Onesiphorus. I actually I love just saying that name. It has a ring to it. And to this date in my life, I've never met uh, anyone named Onesiphorus, even though I think it would be a great name to give to someone, actually the word Onesiphorus means to bring profit uh, or to bring blessing. And Onesiphorus is brought up in Second Timothy when he actually came and ministered uh, to Paul in jail. And uh, when Paul was in chains, and probably many people wanted to stay away because it was dangerous associating themselves with, uh, with Paul, uh, guess who showed up? Onesiphorus showed up. And so in this, uh, we talk about, uh, are you a VDP or VRP? And a VDP is, a, is an acronym simply stating that you're a very draining person. And uh, nobody will see this in the mirror. Uh, everybody sees this in everybody else. But a VDP is a person that walks into your office pad, and after they leave, they take a pound of flesh with you, and they, they've sucked the life out of you. Um, and we all know VDP people that we think lower in the chairs when we have to engage with them. And they're not fun to be around, and they're negative, and as my friend John Gordon says, they're energy vampires. Um, but uh, a VRP is what we believe Onesiphorus was for Paul. And a VRP is a very refreshing person. And a VRP is someone that brings life, someone that brings encouragement, uh, someone that brings that cold glass of water in the desert figuratively and brings uh, the very blessing that the person needs to have. And and Paul needed that. The great uh, Apostle Paul was blessed by this very uh, uh, minor mentioned uh, person in the Bible, Onesiphorus. And, and three quick things uh, here, Pat, that we believe that, that God's Word in Second Timothy 1, 16 and 17 highlight that, that actually refreshment is repeated. It says that in, in the Word of God that Onesiphorus came back uh, over again, over and over again, repeated, and it wasn't a one-time thing. And I think sometimes we think that uh, we've encouraged our sons. It's a one-time thing, and we don't need to do it again. But as the Word of God says, that refreshment needs to be repeated. The second thing is refreshment is risky. Onesiphorus risked his life. Um, and his future um, and his and his reputation by going into prison and to be associated with Apostle Paul. And uh, it took risk. 
it takes us to get out of our comfort zone to be able to do that. And the last one is refreshment is relentless, meaning in God's Word it says that Onesiphorus searched hard for Paul, and we sometimes have to be relentless to bring that refreshment to others. And I can't imagine, Pat, what relationships would look like, a father-son relationship, if refreshment was, was at the center of that relationship, if the son brought refreshment to the father, the fa- father brought refreshment to the son, and then going from there that they would bring refreshment to each other. And I hear a lot of fathers and sons say that words that were never spoken, words that were never discussed, um, refreshment that was never brought to the relationship, uh, damaged that relationship and marked that son uh, for an entire life. And so we kind of uh, say, are you a VRP or VDP? And the choice is ours. You know, are you a very refreshing person or are you a very draining person? It's a very convicting chapter, but a very powerful chapter. Now I want you to talk about, are you kidding me? Humility beats pride. That's a biggie, Dan. Yeah, it's a biggie in, in everything. I, I uh, remember watching an NFL game uh, last year, and, and um, the guy made a great catch, scored a touchdown, and he jumped up uh, after the play and began to uh, point to the name on the back of the jersey, you know, kind of like trying to highlight who he was. Uh, and, you know, I, I sat there and, and I said out loud, watching the TV, I said, I yelled at the TV. I know that the TV couldn't hear me or he couldn't hear me, but I was so shocked. I kind of had a response, yelled, are you kidding me? Um, because as he was pointing at the name on the back of the jersey, he wanted everybody to remember his name. And, and Pat, to this day, I, I forget who the, the receiver was because I forgot who the receiver was. Um, and I thought about it. He had an opportunity to do many things. He could have popped up and pointed to the front of the jersey, pointed to the name on the front of the jersey, which was the name of the team. He could have popped up and pointed to, to the quarterback. He threw the pass to him. He could have popped up and, and pointed to the lineman, the block for the, for, for, the, for the quarterback. He could have popped up and pointed to, to the offensive coordinator for, for calling that play. Uh, he could have pl- pointed to the owner who actually – uh, brought him to uh, that uh, town to play for that team, or more importantly, he could have pointed to the heavens to acknowledge that God gave him that gift. And I think realizing that he pointed to the back of the jersey, that there was pride in his heart, and he wanted the recognition. My guest has been Dan Britton. Dan, a million thanks. The book is called Called to Greatness. So glad we could visit, Dan, and uh, I wish you a very happy New Year. Thank you. Uh, You're listening to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We have a wrap-up right after this. Uh, Just a reminder, this is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Uh, We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, Bill Files here, GM of Salem Media Group Orlando. You've heard me talk about half-price tuition, a great new program we have where folks just like you can purchase tuition to the finest Christian schools in Central Florida at half price. No catch, no kidding. I want to share with you some comments from a listener who recently purchased tuition for her daughter. This listener called me, and once she found out that the program was for real, she and her husband decided to buy it. She said, before we hang up, I wanted to thank you and to share with you that my husband and I have been praying for a way to send our girl to Christian school. Your half-price tuition program has made that possible. Thank you. This is what it's all about. If you or someone you know could benefit from our half-price tuition program, I hope you'll give me a call, 407-618-1760, or visit our website, AmazingRadioDeals.com. Half-price tuition, another positive idea from Salem Media Group Orlando. Schools like the Geneva School and Altamont Christian School are available right now. Go online to AmazingRadioDeals.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Scott Lamb joined us in the first half hour, the author of Huckabee. And uh, then Dan Britton, who is an executive with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Kansas City, 
came along and we talked about his book, a devotional book for dads and sons called to greatness. Uh, please visit my website, folks. It's uh, patwilliams.com, uh, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. Uh, my most recent book is out. It's called Extreme Winning. Uh, we write about the 12 qualities that it takes to be an extreme winner. It's in bookstores now. Amazon.com, always a wonderful way to order books. In the meantime, have a great week ahead. Uh, head to church tomorrow with your family. That's always a good idea. And we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.